0: Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah chapter 14. Before I begin, um, I got a text from Mark Trotter this week, and many of you know him. He's the one who taught us discipleship, and we're going to be doing how to study the Bible, and a lot of the material that I'll be teaching comes from the things that we've learned from uh, Pastor Mark, and some of you saw this. He's asking folks to pray. He has... Uh, three growths in his bladder that his doctor believes are cancer. So he's going in this week to have those cancerous, what they believe are cancerous tumors removed. So we really need to pray for Mark Trotter, uh, especially this week. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just a very sad thing. So let's be in prayer for Mark. We're going to pray for him in a minute. And then Jason's grandmother is down in, you said Daytona, Florida. And uh, she is on her deathbed. And so he's asked for us to pray in that situation as well. So let's, let's go to the Lord. Lord, you know right where we are, and it is such a blessing to know that you know of our requests before we make them, and yet you've asked us to make them. So right now, we lift up Mark Trotter, our friend, and teacher. Lord, I pray that you will help him guide the doctor's hands and their minds. And Father, I pray that this is not cancer. If it is cancer, that it can be treated and, Lord, you know exactly uh, what he needs. So, Father, we pray that you'll show yourself mighty there. And then Jason's grandmother, and just this is always a very difficult time. So, Father, I pray that you'll be with her, that you'll be with the family, and that you will help and show yourself as the God of all comfort. Lord, help us now as we study your word, turn our minds toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Zechariah chapter 14, look at verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And here's where we are today and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives which is before Jerusalem on the east, and in the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord shall come, and all the saints with thee. Now, we're going to be uh, looking at this passage, and I want you to have your Bibles ready. And I want to look again, and go ahead, Michael, and we'll put this picture up. This is the Mount of Olives. This picture, I, I took it from the top of the Eastern Gate around the walls of Jerusalem, so when Jesus Christ returns and he lands at the top of the Mount of Olives, that mountain is going to be split in two, and there's going to be a valley that's made, and I like it. It's called the Valley of the Mountains. That's, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? How many of you know there's a difference between a valley and a mountain? That mountain becomes a valley, and Jesus Christ enters in through that, but not only does he enter in through that valley and through that eastern gate, but he also, that allows the people to flee the city in that same way. So we looked at that last week, and... Tonight, or tonight, this morning, I want us to look at when Jesus Christ returns, there are a lot of passages in Scripture that talk about places that he's going to go. So for the next few minutes, have your Bible ready. If you don't have a Bible with you, look under the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there. Some of the, some of the books of the Bible we're going to be using are not super familiar, so there's the table of contents at the front. Don't be embarrassed to use that. And we're going to look at these different places that Jesus Christ is mentioned as going through on his return. And what we're going to do is we're going to develop the path of the Messiah. This is going to be really fun. So look at Zechariah chapter 14. Look at verse 4 again. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And what I want you to see, and and we'll be tracking this down, Uh, here, do this. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk chapter 3. Some of you might say Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. And what I want you to see about this path that Jesus takes, it's the same path that the Ark of the Covenant took when it went from Mount Sinai to Jerusalem. So Jesus Christ is going to take that same path. Now, Habakkuk chapter three, and I want you to look at verse three. Let me, let me find Habakkuk. All right, so Habakkuk chapter three. God came, look at what it says. God came from Teman, and the holy one from Mount Peron, Selah. Now we've pointed out that word Selah in when we study the book of Psalms. This word Selah, is used in the Book of Psalms as a musical rest, but it always refers to the millennial rest. So anytime you see that word Sila, look for the return of Christ. The other place that the word Selah is used is in the book of Habakkuk. It's used three times, and it always deals with the return of Christ. Now, that word Selah, you're going to find But before we're done today, you're going to see how important that is in our account. But notice what it says. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. So when Jesus Christ returns, remember, The sun has been turned dark. The moon's not shining. Jesus Christ comes back in the brightness of his return. But notice these places. Notice again, it says from Teman and from Mount Paran. Now, Teman and Paran, it's very interesting, as well as the city of Selah are all in Edom. So remember, you had Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was a a smooth man and Esau was a hairy man. And a smooth man can always make a hairy man do whatever he wants. And that's exactly what happened in that situation. Uh, John, John Aldrich said that the first time that was the, we had a friend in college. You get some of you remember John Aldrich, just a complete nut. But anyway, remember when he said that here, when he was preaching here. So remember Jacob He, Jacob, deceived his father. He traded, Esau traded his birthright for a mess of pottage. Esau's life was always a life where the flesh overruled the spirit. So not only did he trade his birthright, but then Jacob stole the blessing. He deceived his father, so Jacob got the birthright and the blessing. God gave Esau the land of Edom. He gave it to him. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, uh, he said, don't go through there. That land belongs to Esau. I've given it to him. Don't take any of it. God had given that land and promised it to Esau. So that's the land of Edom. Or sometimes in the Bible, it's called Edomia. Same place, Edom, Edomia. These are the descendants of Esau. They hated God's people. The whole book of Obadiah is God pronouncing judgment on the nation of Edom, on the descendants of Esau for the way that they treat his people. And what's interesting is when you look at your verse in Habakkuk, and it talks about Paran, Selah, and Teman, all of that is in Edom. So Jesus Christ, when he returns, he is going to march through the land of Edom. And that becomes an important thing because when the children of Israel were fleeing, and they needed to go, they're fleeing their enemies, they needed to go through Edom, the Edomites wouldn't let them. We're going to see that in a minute. And do you know what Jesus does? He takes the exact route that the children of Israel are going to take through Edom, and they were refused. They're not going to stop Jesus. So when you see Teman, when you see uh, Selah, when you see Paran, I'm going to show you on a map soon what all of that's going to look like. Now, go to the Song of Solomon Chapter two, don't get too nervous. We won't spend a lot of time in the Song of Solomon. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. So now, you know, the the whole book of the Song of Solomon, it deals, it, it is just a type. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and his bride, Jesus Christ and his bride. So when you go to Song of Solomon, chapter 2, look at verse 8. The voice of my beloved, the voice of my beloved, Jesus Christ is the beloved. Behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now, what we do is we look at that as uh, poetic language. And it is pretty, right? Uh, it, I don't know. It's a little strange to me. I, I picture uh, Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, and that that's that's the way the bride behaves, you know, the, the guy skipping across the mountains. But when we see Jesus Christ returning, how many of you want to see me do that again? Just When you see, my shoes almost came off. <laughs> they're, they're slipping. When Jesus returns, this language right here, remember he's returning on a white horse. And that horse is flying through the air. And we're going to see in a minute, we're on horses with him, flying behind him. That's what's being spoken of here. That's the way that Christ returns. He returns on the tops of the mountains, flying through. It's, it's an amazing thing. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 33. All I could think of right there was elf. I'm in love and I'm in love and I I don't care who knows it. I mean, you know, that's kind of what I had in my head as that was happening. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Look at verse 2. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai. You see that? So we're getting some more information. Habakkuk, he's in Paran, he's in Teman, but now look at what it says. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir. What is Seir? Mount Seir is that whole mountainous region of Edom. Paran is in that mountainous region. So when you hear about Mount Seir, it's not a single mountain. It's an area. Mount Seir is where God had Edom where God had Esau establish his kingdom. So look again, verse, th- verse two. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran. Now look at what it says. And he came with 10,000s of saints and his right hand from his right hand went a fiery law for them. And you know that Jesus Christ comes with fire, but this this ten thousands of his saints. And here's what people think. Well, that's the Jewish people. Let's see if that's what's being spoken of. Go to the book of Jude, Jude, verse 14. Okay, this is not a trick question. Is Jude New Testament or Old Testament? New Testament, Okay. Look at verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. It's the exact same statement. It's interesting, isn't it? Look at what it says. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So this is the this is the return of Christ that's being described in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 2. So Jude verse 14 is a direct cross-reference to Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 2. How many of you can see that? You with me? But here's the interesting thing. So is this New Testament or Old Testament that we're reading? But are we talking about a New Testament or an Old Testament figure? Old. You ready for this? Enoch said this a thousand years before Moses wrote Deuteronomy. How fun is that? It says, and Enoch the seventh from Adam. Remember, Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. My dad always said that that Jesus and Enoch were walking along and Enoch said, you know, we're, I'm getting tired. I got to head home. And Jesus said, my house is closer. Let's go there. And he took him up with him. And Enoch was not because he walked with God. And, of course, Enoch is a type of the church. What was Enoch taken out before? The flood. The judgment of the earth. And, of course, the church is taken out before the, the judgment of the tribulation period where Jesus comes and judges the earth. But then when when he ultimately judges the earth, that's at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes, and he comes with ten thousands of his saints. That's us. We return with him. Um, There's another thing I mentioned a minute ago when we were in Deuteronomy 33 that people think that this is the Jewish people. I want you to think about something. When Enoch prophesied that, there were no Jews yet. Abraham hadn't been born. The flood hadn't happened. So when when Enoch prophesied that he could not have been talking about the Jews and he was talking about us. All right. How do we know that that's us? Look at Revelation chapter five. And of course, none of that is ever mentioned in uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But go to Revelation chapter five. Very close to Jude. Look at verse 9. and they, So they are in heaven. This is taking place around the throne. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, look at this, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation "...and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth." So the kings and priests reigning on the earth is not the Old Testament saints, that's the church. That's what's being spoken of here in Revelation chapter 5. And let's see if it says anything about these ten thousands of saints. Look at verse 11. "...and I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. So this is the group that is coming back with Jesus. And do you know who that is? Anybody saved? If you're saved, raise your hand. It's you. It's me. We're coming back. We're returning with Jesus Christ. And I love it. We have our new bodies. We are without sin. We're going to be able to follow the Lord Jesus in absolute and perfect righteousness. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Now, I want to mention this before I get too far into my message, and that is there are two different paths that Jesus Christ takes when he returns. Two different places are identified, two different paths. It's very difficult to know which one's first, we just know he's going to do both. This Revelation 19 is the second path, and I'll show you that hopefully in a few minutes. Look at Revelation chapter 19. And look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, we looked at that, I believe it was last week or the week before, I don't remember. That vesture dipped in blood, that happens in Basra. You remember that? That's when his garments are sprinkled in Basra. That's going to become important. Do you know where Basra is? Edom, Selah, Paran, Teman, Mount Seir, Basra. It's all that land of Edom. There's something we need to remember. God does not forget. Unless it's your sin. I was discipling this week and I was talking about, we we're talking about prayer and vain repetitions and how asking God for the same thing. So I mentioned that I pray for Lydia. Lydia came to see us today. She's right here. And some guy. But, um, <laughs> hey bud. And, but I pray for her every day. I pray for Jacob every day. And I pray almost the same thing every day. That's not vain repetition. Are y'all with me? How many pray for your kids every day? That's not vain repetition. Um, And then I was talking about confessing my sin. I don't know about you guys, but I struggle with the same sins over and over and over again. Now I've gotten victory many times, right? But ultimately I still live in the flesh and I find myself going to God and saying, God, here I am again. Can't believe here I am again with the same thing. How many of you have ever basically prayed that exact same thing, right? And I ask this question, what do you think God says? Do you know what God would say? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Because if I've confessed it, he's cast that sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. Praise God. How many of you needed to hear that today? <laughs> Praise God. He, he doesn't remember. He, a friend when we were in college wrote a song called the sea of forgetfulness. God, he puts our sin in that sea. See the difference between, listen, between God and your wife. God doesn't remember that anymore. <laughs> now listen. Listen. So the sins that are washed away by the blood of Jesus, they're just gone forever. The cruelty of nations to God's people, he does not forget. He remembers that. And that's what he's coming back to judge in Teman and in Paran and in Mount Seir and in Selah. All of these areas, Jesus Christ is dealing with that and we come back with him. Look at verse fourteen, Revelation nineteen and verse fourteen. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. What is that white linen? That's what Jesus Christ clothes us. We saved people in the robes of his own righteousness. Praise the Lord. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter one. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Man, I'm glad I'm forgiven. Look at verse 7. And to you who are troubled, 2 Thessalonians 1 7, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire. Remember that fire in his right hand that goes before him, that fiery law that goes before him? In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Let me deal with a doctrinal error here real quick. Um, there is a, a doctrine. It's called annihilationism, annihilationism. That's the teaching that, that hell is not eternal punishment, that it gets a place where those people just cease to exist. All right, so Jesus said, fear not him which can destroy the body, but fear him which can destroy the body and soul in hell. I believe that's Matthew chapter 10. So, and they use that passage to say, well, he destroys it, so that's not eternal. What does this say right here? Everlasting destruction. We have everlasting life. They have everlasting destruction. That is that destruction continues for eternity. How many of you don't want to participate in that? Man, get saved. If you're not saved, make sure today's the day. Because you're not promised another breath. So now look at what it says. Verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Do you see that? And to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So that day when Jesus Christ returns, we're going to come back with him. And we as his saints, he's going to be glorified in us. Praise the Lord. Now, go to Judges, chapter 5. Remember Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, chapter 5. This is such an interesting thing. Now, in the book of Judges, these statements are not as explicit. We have words and phrases that describe what's going to happen But if you didn't have those other verses that we've talked about, you wouldn't understand this at all. That's why you can't start with Judges. We interpret the Bible by the rest of the Bible. Are you all with me? So I want you to see a couple of things. Look with me at verse 4. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchedest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped and the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Now, how many of you can see that's written in past tense? Do you all see that? But it hasn't happened yet. But remember, that's like Isaiah chapter 53, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Is that what the Bible says? That hadn't happened yet. Here's what's going on there. God can write prophecy In past tense, because as soon as he says it, it's as good as if it already happened. Prophecy is God writing history before it happens. It's fantastic to see it. So notice this path. He says, Verse 4 again, Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water. And remember, we have that in Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 34, these mountains melting and the stars falling when the Lord returns. Obviously, that has not happened yet. Verse 5, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. So do you notice some repetition? We have Mount Sinai, we have Paran, we have Edom, we have Teman, we have Basra, all of this region. It's all being repeated all through scripture. How many of you are surprised at how much there is in the Bible about this event? Really interesting. Uh, how many of you think God wants us to know about it? Right? And so that's why we're studying it. Now, I want you to see something in verse 12. So we're here in Judges 5 and verse 12. Awake, Awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Abinoam. So before Jesus Christ can return, he had to die. And then Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what does Ephesians chapter 4 tell us he did before he rose from the dead? He led captivity captive. That exact phrase. That's kind of fun. Y'all don't care. So now look at verse 19. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan in Teanach by the waters of Megiddo. Well, wait a minute. Megiddo, that's where the battle of Armageddon takes place. Isn't it interesting? All of these references to the places of Jesus Christ's return. And by the way, I mentioned two different paths that Jesus takes. Megiddo is in the second path that we're going to talk about. Does that happen before he enters Jerusalem or after he enters Jerusalem? I don't know. But now look with me at verse 20. This is so interesting to me. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. They fought in the heaven, the stars in their courses. Hold your place right here in Judges. Go to Job chapter 38. Are these stars these stars that are fighting this is not Star Wars as you would know it job chapter 38 look at verse six whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened that's the earth or who hath la- or who laid the, the cornerstone thereof now look at this When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, remember, a son of God is a direct creation of God. These are the angels. They're called the morning stars. Do you see that? The morning stars. Go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20. Now, if you're new to Grace Baptist, and you're thinking, man, you're flying through these verses, you'll get used to it. We just, this is how we define things from the scripture. We just go to wherever else in the Bible that's spoken of to get our understanding of it. All right? So Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are, what are those next two words? The angels of the seven churches. So go back to Judges chapter 5, look at verse 20. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Man, that's an interesting passage of Scripture. So now we have, when Jesus Christ returns, he goes through these specific places, Seir, Edom, Edomia, Mount Sinai, the mountains melt before him. We know that he returns and there's a battle in the heavens and it's a battle of the stars. Look at Revelation chapter 12. And look at verse 7. And there was war where? In heaven. Michael and his, what's that next word? Fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his what? Angels. And so during the tribulation, as Jesus Christ returns, there is this battle that takes place in the heavens. Go to Isaiah chapter 34. Talking about the path that Jesus Christ takes in his return. Verse 1: Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter their slain also shall be cast out and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses and the mountains. Look at this again, shall be melted with their blood and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. Now look at this for my sword, shall be bathed, where? In heaven. So that's that battle with the stars and all of that that he just spoke of. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edomia. Do you see that? Edomia, that's Edom. And upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. Look at this. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Edomia, verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion, for the controversy of Zion. So now, let's let's bring all of this together. So this, I found this uh, this map on the Internet. I Googled, this is so funny, I Googled the path of the Messiah in his second coming, and a bunch of pictures came up, and this was one of them. And it's not exactly right, but it'll be a good illustration for us to use in this. So notice the red line. If you see the city of Cairo, um, I really don't know why he has it going to Cairo. Maybe it's because the Bible says that that he'll come out of Egypt. Here's what they miss. If you look at the, do you see where the bottom line is? Uh, so the red line goes down to the bottom. Can you see the arrow where it's uh, right above the Gulf of Aqaba. Ak- of Do you see that? You see that arrow? Right there is where Mount Sinai is. Mount Sinai is in Egypt. So when it says he's coming out of Egypt, that's, where, that's, that's talking about Mount Sinai. So when Jesus Christ, we're going to tie all of this together the best we can. When Jesus returns, he goes to Mount Sinai, right there. That's where he starts. Do you know what happens to Mount Sinai? It melts. It melts. Now, what do you guys think of when you think of a mountain melting? I think of lava. That's interesting. Is that what happens? Does God turn these mountains into volcanoes? Because the Bible talks about the smoke of his coming and the burning that takes place. Or is it just the way it says? They just melt. How many of you can see CGI cannot do this? All right. So Jesus returns to Mount Sinai. Then... We're, we're trying to tie this together. And remember, Mount Sinai is where he got the Ten Commandments. That's where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. God comes down. Remember, Jesus Christ fulfills the law. He comes and he goes from Mount Sinai. When he comes down the mountains, he melts it, and then he skips and leaps like the Song of Solomon from mountain to mountain, going north through Edom. Now, That uh, gold color that you have there, that the path goes through, that is Edom. Do you see the name Jordan up there? That's what it is today. But that area is Edom. Notice the cities, Teman, Petra, Basra. Do you see that? That's the path that Jesus Christ takes. What I want you to see is the name that's above the red line right below Suez. That's Paran. That area of Paran, that is Edom. That's where Jesus Christ comes and brings us with him. We come down Mount Sinai, it melts, and he takes this path. This is the direction that Jesus Christ is going to take. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 63. Get Isaiah 63 and then also, let's see, get Numbers chapter 20. Isaiah 63. Look at verse 1. And then we're going to go to Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And we'll be at Numbers chapter 20. You ever run out of fingers trying to follow all this stuff? All right. Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from where? Edom. Are you seeing a pattern? With dyed garments from Basra. Remember, he's coming with a vesture dipped in blood. This is, I'm sorry, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger. So we're with him, but we're behind him. He's treading this before we get there. And trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Really important passage. Go to Numbers. This is so interesting. This is when the children of Israel... We're in the desert, Numbers chapter 20, and look at verse 16. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. And who is Moses speaking to? He's talking to uh, the, the leaders in Edom. And this is what they're asking, Edom. Verse 17, let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards. Neither will we drink of the water of the wells. Look at what it says. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand nor to the left until we have passed thy borders. And Edom said unto him, thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with the sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Wherefore Israel turned away from him. Now look at verse chapter 21. And verse 22, Uh, verse 21 for the context. And Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the waters of the well, but we will go along by the king's highway until we be past thy borders. That king's highway. Here's what's interesting. There's no king ever listed in Scripture that takes that highway. But I know the king who will. That path that he takes is identified as the exact path that the children of Israel were refused. It is the king's highway. What an amazing thing. So what does he do? He he takes that before he goes to the Mount of Olives. So when Christ goes through Edom... He does two things. The first thing he does, do you see Petra there? He stops and he rescues a group of people that have fled to the mountains. The Bible tells us in the book of Obadiah, we don't have time to turn there. But when, okay, go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. This is so fun. So Matthew chapter 24, this passage is called, it's identified by a place and it's called a discourse. Who remembers what it's called? The Olivet Discourse. Why is it called the Olivet Discourse? Because he's saying it on the Mount of Olives. Where does Jesus Christ touch down? Mount of Olives. All right. Now look at verse 16, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 16. Uh, Verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place. That's when the Antichrist makes an image of himself and places it in the holiest of all in the newly rebuilt temple. All right. So Daniel prophesied it. Jesus affirmed the prophecy. And he's telling these people in the tribulation, when you see this, look at the end of verse 15, this parenthetic statement. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, you ready for this? Hey, look up here just a second. You ready for this? that means the Bible's still going to be there. Jesus is going to preserve it in the midst of the Antichrist and all of the enemies of God's people. God's people have been taken out. He's calling a new people in for his name through the 144,000 Jewish witnesses. You would think the Bible would be stamped out. Nah. Jesus said people are going to read the Bible during that time. That's awesome, isn't it? Okay, now look. Continue reading. Verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea Flee into the mountains. Where are they going to go? They're going to go to the place of refuge. They're going to go to this city, this city that's in the mountains, and it's called Petra. Petra is such an interesting place. It was built in, uh, in Edom, and nobody really knows who built it. You know, they say it's the Nabataeans. Well, the Nabataeans were nomadic people, and it'd be really hard for them to build it. And Petra is this huge place. It's seven miles long. And according to the book of Obadiah, when the children of Israel, when the Jews who follow Christ and they listen to what he says here in the tribulation and they flee to Petra, the lion chases them and Jesus Christ himself goes before the people and behind the people. The lion comes to chase them. Remember, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. This lion of the Antichrist, he comes chasing God's people. You know what Jesus Christ does? He turns around and he says, no. You know what Antichrist does? You know what Satan does? He turns around and he goes back. And God preserves his people in Petra. Petra and Selah are the same place. Every time you read about Selah in the book of Psalms, think of this place in the rocks of the mountains that is protected called Petra. It's an amazing, amazing thing that God has done for us in scripture. Now, how do I know that? Go to Second Kings chapter 14. The Romans tried to conquer Petra three times. Couldn't do it. All right, 2 Kings chapter 14, and look at verse 7. He slew Edom in the Valley of Salt, 10,000, and took, look at this, Selah by war, and called the name of it Jokhthil, or Jokhthil, unto this day. So that city that used to be called Sila, now it's called Petra, Petra, Sila. All right, so as, we're, as Jesus Christ makes his march, the mountains melt, he goes through Teman, he stops and delivers his people from Petra. They go through Basra, he enters. And if you look up at the top of the, the red line there, I'm sorry, where the red line turns to the left, that's where Jesus Christ comes and he crosses the Jordan River. He makes a great slaughter in uh, Edomia, and he talks about it, okay? Um, uh, Look at, I'm sorry, I'm running out of time, Isaiah chapter 34. We were there just a minute ago. We read through verse 5, verse 6. I want you to read verse 9 with me. Actually, we did read through verse 8, so you'll, you'll get the context. So Isaiah chapter 34, let's start again in verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion. So when Jesus Christ comes through, Edomia, when he comes through, Petra does all of that. Look at verse 9. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch. And the dust thereof into brimstone and the land thereof shall become a burning, shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. He makes that a lake of fire. He makes that whole area a lake of fire. That's what he does on his way to Jordan. Now, this is so fun. So he takes this king's highway. And then he crosses the Jordan River. Now, it's so interesting. He crosses the Jordan River where he was baptized, where he began his ministry. That's where Joshua crossed when he entered into Canaan. That's where David crossed when he was running from Absalom. That's where Elijah crossed when he went up to heaven by a whirlwind. That's where Elisha crossed after he saw Elijah go up. On the east side of that spot is where Moses went up into Mount Pisgah and died and was buried there on the west side. and on the, on, on the On the east side. On the west side is the road leading from Jericho to Jerusalem. Christ takes that road and comes to the Mount of Olives and lands there. And it's crossed into two. Now, if you remember, this is the Eastern Gate. This picture is taken from the Mount of Olives. That's the Eastern Gate. Now, the Muslims, they cemented it shut in 1187 to stop Christ from fulfilling Ezekiel 44. Kaiser Wilhelm wanted to enter Jerusalem by that gate, but World War I stopped him. The Grand Mufti of Jerusalem tried blasting the gate open to escape the British Expeditionary Force in 1917. When General Allenby took the city by air and fulfilled Isaiah chapter 31, King Hussein of Jordan tried to use that gate to stop the Jews from coming to the Wailing Wall and the Six-Day War of 1967 broke out and stopped him. In front of that gate is a Muslim graveyard. We talked about that last week and you can see it in the picture. When Jesus Christ comes back, do you think that gate's going to stop him? Or he's going to enter right through it? Do you remember what Jesus Christ did? This is, this is fun. Go with me to, let's see. John chapter 20. So Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for where the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, look it, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. The doors can't stop Jesus. Gates can't stop Jesus. Cement walls can't stop Jesus. A Muslim graveyard can't stop Jesus. He's coming back. And we are coming back with him. How fun is it to see the path that Jesus Christ is going to take when he returns? Now, what is the second path that Jesus takes? Well, if you look all the way up to Damascus, he comes through Damascus, and you can see the yellow line that takes him down to Megiddo. Do you see that right there? He does that either before this or after that. We don't know which but we know he's going to do both. You have the battle of Armageddon and you have Jesus Christ delivering Jerusalem, delivering the people from Petra. That's the path that Jesus Christ takes. Isn't it fun to see what the Bible has to say about it? Man, all we can say is even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's all stand together. Two things I want to remind you of. Number one, if you're saved, your sins are forgotten. They are washed away. You will never have to give an account for those sins. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. If you're not saved, he remembers everyone. And he's angry with you every day. So let's lead people to Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we're doing that. If you're not born again, make sure that today is the day of your salvation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you speak to us through it. Lord, I know there are people in this room that are going through struggles. They have hardships. And you know every bit of it.